And I understand that there might be some uh, hot cross buns and things going into the oven to go along with the tea and the coffee that we share along with one another after the service. So uh, I hope that people will be able to hang around. And then all of those fun gatherings with family, all of those wonderful things we do. It's very special to have this time. And we are fortunate to live in a country where, you know, whatever its flaws... We do have this time off over Easter. And while people might use it on whatever they wish, we have this time to gather together to worship God. And then we can go and have fun with our families and enjoy those very special times. Before we get into God's word this morning, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that we have a reason to celebrate this weekend. Our sins that we've committed, our rebellion against you, which deserved a payment of death, has been paid in full and not by us, but by Jesus in our place. And he, our saviour, didn't stay dead. You rose him to life again, bringing not just not an undoing of death, but victory over the grave. We thank you that in Jesus we have a promise of life everlasting, a promise that you will be with us through all things in the meantime. We praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every year we gather on Easter Sunday. We hear about the women up before dawn, the stone rolled away from the tomb, the disciples running to go and see, the angels appearing to people, and then Jesus popping up here and there. And we do these things, we remember these things every year because it is the most important date in the year. It's the most important thing to remember. But the side effect of doing this every year is that it's easy to become all too familiar with the resurrection and to lose sight of how extraordinary it is. I mean, in a sense, it it does make sense that so many people struggle to believe or don't believe in the resurrection. It is... It is an extraordinary, incredible thing for somebody to come back from the dead. And not not like, you know, shocked with a defibrillator and we got their heart going again, but not brought back from death, but conquering death, coming out the other side, still alive and never to die again. If that happened, that changes everything. It means... The world has changed. So this morning I want to take a look at a passage that reminds us of the change the resurrection makes, of what the resurrection of Jesus means in our lives as we go out from here today, as we go out every day. I want to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Because Jesus rose, we have a new birth, Peter says. Born again, to use that phrase that, uh, that Jesus used. A new birth into a living hope. Because Jesus is alive, so is our hope of life after death, of life everlasting. A hope that's not in a fallen martyr, but in a risen saviour. We believe in a Jesus, in a Lord and saviour, who's not just the one who died in our place, but the one who stands at the right hand of God, interceding for us with the Father. The one who, through whom we are able to come to God, into his presence, Hebrews tells us. To be able to pray, to be able to have God dwell in us in a way that was never possible before the cross. Because Jesus rose... We've been born into an inheritance that can never spoil or perish or fade. I mean, we look at the world around us, everything can spoil and, and perish and fade. And the inheritances that we receive, I mean, how many people received, you know, as an inheritance that fancy set of plates or, or cups that are in the cupboard and they can never be used because if they get used, they might get damaged. And then that, that, that I won't ask for people to put their hands up. <laughs> this inheritance is not like that inheritance. And even, you know, he talks about gold, even gold that perishes, even though it's refined by fire. And I admit, like, I don't have lots of gold-clad furniture in my house or anything to know what that's like. But all of us know, even, even a coin, you can tell just by looking at it, a coin that was minted this year from a coin that was minted 10 years ago. Even some of the things that we think of as the most stable and long-lasting, it all perishes, it all fades. But we have an inheritance that will never perish or spoil or fade. We have something far better because Jesus rose from the grave. Because when he rose from the grave, he defeated death. 
And it gives credence to the promises that he'd made that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's, you know, one thing to claim a promise like that, life everlasting. It's another thing for somebody to have shown us that in action by rising from the dead. The resurrection won the victory over the death, over death. And just like in, you know, all victories and battles gone past, you know, the, the, the spoils from the victory. They take the, the, the things that they've won. The spoils of Jesus' victory over death are now shared with us. Because of Jesus, we have a hope of everlasting life. We will get to be with God for all of eternity. We will get to see him face to face. The curse of death, which is not just a natural part of life. It is not part of the good world that God created, but that is an enemy that has come in to destroy God's creation through sin. Death will be defeated and we will see him face to face. But the resurrection of Jesus is not just good news for that life. It also matters in this life. In this life where I don't get to see God face to face. In this life where there is mourning and sickness and crying and pain and bad backs and football injuries and whatever else might happen. We read in what Paul has written here in verse 5. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. God looks after us until the day that we go to be with him. But Peter is very clear about what that means. Because immediately after that, he says, even though many of you have been going through all kinds of suffering. We'd be tempted, we, we love to believe that that protection God gives us is the protection that nothing bad will happen to us in this life. That's not the protection that God offers. Peter, who wrote this, would eventually be crucified like his saviour. Except because he didn't want to be crucified in exactly the same way. He had them uh, crucify him upside down, which, if anything, would have probably been worse. So Peter is, in his own life, testimony to the fact that this protection that God gives us is not one that means nothing bad can happen, nor even that death can happen. Church, This church that he was writing to was suffering grief in all kind of trials. But because Jesus has risen again, faith, their faith is able to endure the hard times and grow stronger. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, 
may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. You are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here and now He protects us from the enemy. He holds on to us so that our salvation is something that we can be certain in because it depends on what Jesus has done for us. Not on what we do for him. Not to say that our actions aren't important, but that they are not what we put our hope in for eternal life. I'm not going to get into heaven because I've preached enough sermons or ran enough super clubs or went along to enough Bible college classes or attended enough Bible studies or listened to enough Vision FM. My hope in going to heaven is that Jesus has made the way for me. The only way I get to be in heaven is because I am counted with him, because I've put my trust in him. Faith enables us, oh, sorry, the, the resurrection of Jesus enables us to have joy, even in suffering, because we believe in him. Now, what does that look like? I remember trying to, to give a, a message on this subject to a bunch of primary schoolers recently. What does it mean to have joy and to be thankful and give thanks in suffering? Does that mean if I'm sick and stuck at home in bed that I have to go, dear God, I'm so thankful that I'm sick and I'm having a wonderful time and I, I just pray that everybody else will be sick too because it's such fun. Amen. Is, is that what it looks like to have joy in suffering, to be thankful in all circumstances? I should certainly hope not. But what we can say is this. God, I'm pretty sick right now and I feel pretty horrible and I'm not having much fun and it just makes me thankful that there is a day where there will be no more sickness and all things will be made new and I pray that you will help me just give me strength to bear through right now and just stay thankful that this will not last but that one day it will be taken away and all things made new. That's, that's the difference that the resurrection makes in our lives. That's the thing that enables us to say thank you, even in the hard times. Not necessarily because of the hard times, but because those hard times whet our appetite for the promises that he's made for the world that is to come, for all things to be made new. And the resurrection of Jesus encourages us to live well. I made a point of saying that living well is not how we're saved, but it still is important that we live well. 
The resurrection of Jesus encourages us to want to live well. Peter says to the church following on from this, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. We want to be holy, not because it's what's going to get us into heaven, but because we want to be like the one who loved us and who saved us. Because Jesus lives, we can set our hope fully on God's grace and not on what I've done. On the salvation that we will receive on that last day. And in that hope, we can trust that his way is the best way to live in the here and now. That he doesn't call us away from the things that are called sin because he wants to stop us from having fun. But because his way is what is best for us. And so we can resist being conformed to evil desires, but knowing that when we do fail and fall short, he who loves us and gave his life for us is faithful and true. We can confess our sins and he will forgive us. For you know that it was not with perishable things like silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down by your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and hope are in God You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Because he's risen, we've been born again through the living and enduring word. And so we, as he calls us to, can love one another deeply. Love one another deeply from the heart as Jesus has loved us. So as we go into our Easter weekend, as we go into, well, what's left of it, all of the things that we have planned with our families, the resurrection of Jesus means that Jesus lives. And it means that he lives in us. And so not to earn his favour, not to earn salvation, but fully putting our trust in what Jesus has done for us in his death and resurrection. Let's show Jesus lives in us. Let's show his love and his goodness. Let's be encouraged and able to find that joy in all the hard things that we face. Let's set our hope fully on the grace to be given us when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for all that your resurrection means for us. We thank you that you rose again, in part because that was 
we, we who love you, who gave your life for us, are overjoyed that you were raised to life again, that you continue to live, that you who did not deserve to die, but chose to die in our place, are now exalted to the highest place, given all glory and honour and praise. And you deserve it all for the love that you've shown us while we were still your enemies. But Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have because of your resurrection. We thank you that we look forward to a life eternal. And we pray that that knowledge, that hope will enable us to stand in those hard times and be thankful for that promise with a living hope that cannot be shaken. We pray that you will help us to be your hands and your feet, showing that you are alive and working in every place that your people work and live and spend their time. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus being alive makes all the difference, and that's what our hymn this morning is.